Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured, or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum. So Steve, if I told you that Rashad White was going to run for 100 yards and, and the Bucks were going to average 6.6 a carry and that Mike Evans would have two touchdowns and that uh, Carlton Davis, for God's sakes, would have an interception his first of the year and then Antoine Winfield Jr. dropped one, but that aside, would you think that the Bucks really never had a lead in a game against the Indianapolis Colts? I would have said fire the cannons, Bucks win, Bucks win. Right? Like 100 yards and two touchdowns by Mike Evans? Like that's usually a pretty good recipe. Oh, and Chris Godwin had an okay day, mm-hmm. right? Did have his first drop of the season, which was large. Yes, it was. But I mean, it's this team, this this Bucks team. First of all, they lose 27 to 20. Emphasis on 20. This is if you if you want to go through the season with the exception of the Houston Texans game where the defense did not show up and they scored 37 and lost 39-37 on that 42nd drive uh that uh you know CJ Stroud had there at the end. But the common denominator with this football team in addition to some blown coverages that seems to happen every game is they can't score points consistently. In fact, they can't score points. If they get more than 20, it's it's breaking news. And I know scoring is down all throughout the league, but whether this team, you know, as they did on Sunday, had six sacks of Baker Mayfield, the biggest common denominator is when they're in the red zone, and particularly the low red zone, inside the 10, inside the 5, they're terrible. They can't get in the end zone. They can't get not, cannot get the ball in. And they nearly you know, got Baker Mayfield. I don't know how hurt he is. He was able to come back in the game, but the game to me came down to this. Like this is, they're one of the few teams and I don't know, there's maybe a handful or so that have not scored a touchdown on their opening drive this year. They get to the one yard line to start the game with the ball because they lost the coin toss and they're first in goal at the one. And not only do they not score, but Baker Mayfield has somebody fall on his ankle, gets pretty injured, has to go to the tent. They get a five-yard false start on Aaron Stinney. They run it for two yards uh, you know, with Rashad White. And then Kyle Trask throws a ball that's caught out of bounds by Chris Godwin. He only got one foot down. And then they're kicking a field goal. You know what I said right then? I, I, I turned to somebody and I go, yep, that's, that's how it ends. That's the game right there. You had a chance to come on the road, take the ball, drive it down, first and goal at the one? What? And how many times have we seen this inside the five, inside the nine? Like, hell, the game in San Francisco, you know, ended on fourth down from the nine-yard line when when they threw a pick. I mean, it's just the constant, whether you want to talk about play calling, and I've seen improvement in some areas of this team. I'm not going to say we haven't. 
Um, they still don't have a third receiver. That's been killing them. You know, Rashad White's their third best target, but in terms of having a third receiver, Trey Palmer with another huge drop. Mm-hmm. And they can't execute when it matters. They're just not good enough. And even right down to the last, you know, the defense gets off the field, they need a touchdown, and they got the ball at their own 35-yard line. And they're trying to go hurry up, which was probably a mistake. Um, they got three timeouts, though, and a two-minute warning. And Baker Mayfield, I thought a couple of these sacks that he had, and there were six of them on Sunday, I thought they were on him. I thought he held the ball too long. Um, he took some sacks, which, you know, and granted, after the first drive, he had a bad wheel, so maybe he didn't feel very frisky about running out of there. Mm-hmm. Um, but something I have not seen, I saw on Sunday. Tristan Wirfs getting beat off the edge for a sack fumble to end the game. Tristan Wirfs. So some of their bigger players, Mayfield dropped an interception. Godwin had his first drop of the game of the year that would have put them in field goal range. And then Tristan Wirfs, who is as good a a tackle as there is in this league, short of Trent Williams, gives up the sack fumble to end the game. Unbelievable. Now we know Tristan's been dinged up. He is, and, and I and I w- and I would tell you that that's probably why he'll never make that excuse. I mm-hmm. talked to him after the game. Sure, and he he clearly is, you know, dinged up, and and I know that he's playing with a bad, a bad leg, a bad quad. A lot of guys are playing bad, and we'll talk about, you know, um, Devin White here in just a second. But it there were things that I saw that I have not seen, and the, but the common denominator is one thing and one thing only. And, I, Steve, I don't want to put it all on this guy, but, you know, you made a change of offensive coordinators, and I'm not going to sit up here and bang the drum for Byron Leftwich with Tom Brady that averaged 18 points a game. But they interviewed like 12 guys, right? And from my vantage point, no one really wanted the job necessarily. I mean, maybe Keenan McCardell, maybe a few people like that. I don't know. But – and I – and I think in time, Dave Canales may be a really good offensive coordinator. Like, I like some of the stuff he does, and and it's mostly sound. But you still have two Pro Bowl receivers. Um, we've seen improvement in what they do with Rashad White. We've seen him improve as a ball carrier mm-hmm. and certainly as a receiver. They are a little hamstrung in that they don't have that third receiver, which they I think they absolutely need. Um, the offensive line, the tackles are good. The guards, eh, center, eh. Not as good inside, and so they don't run the ball inside very well. But, like, they can't score points. <laughs> it's it's the damnedest thing. Uh, and they're just really bad in the red zone. And they got red zone players. Here's the thing. You know, you've got big targets to throw to down there. Now, usually it helps if you can run the ball a little bit, but they ran well, the ball on Sunday. They you did, know? but but most of that was bouncing it outside. Yeah, true. And, and, they don't run inside very well, that's right. for sure. And so when you can't run the ball inside, it's a lot easier to defend you. Yeah, no, it is. If you stand them up inside, they got to go wide, and then you're going to have bodies. I mean, for the most know? part, they're, you know, the, the opposing team's interior defensive line has got the middle clogged up, and, and so you don't have to commit guys there. Right. And so in the red zone, when your linebackers don't have to worry about that part of the, the field, right. it's a lot easier to defend. On a short, you know, when you're defending a short 
space behind you, essentially. Yeah, they're, and they that's where they struggle, inside the five, inside the ten. They can't like run inside. No. Mm-hmm. I mean, you saw Jonathan Taylor doing it all day. Oh, yeah, him and Moss. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know where, where Vita Vea was today, but he didn't. He got handled. Yeah, I mean, Rashad White's looking better and running harder. and, and He is. There's lots of things to like about his improvement this season. Yeah. But they're not able to run up the middle. I mean, those runs were bouncing it outside for the most part today. Yeah, his big run. Certainly, he popped outside and mm-hmm. went for about 30, 31 yards. I think the longest yeah. one he's had. Which, which fits has... his skill set, too, is getting him in space, which we've oh, seen yeah. as a receiver he's he's pretty good at. And you get him in space, he's very effective. Yeah. Listen, this is a team they should have beaten if, they were, if they're serious about being a contender. And I'm sorry, we are one loss. So now I know they play Carolina at home. Okay, Carolina is terrible. And yet Carolina is looking at Tampa Bay going, we got a shot here, boys. You know? I mean, why wouldn't you think that? Mm-hmm. I know that the Colts were confident they could win this game. They were a confident football team. They they played like one. Uh, Gardner Minshew is a scrapper. Now, the other part of this is, and and every team has injuries, right? They really do. Um, they miss Levante David in this game. And they'll miss him in the next one if he can't play. Mm-hmm. No question. But, but I had a long. We had a long conversation after the game, and I, there are a lot of people. And I mean, legions of them that have really loved to dump on Devin White. And and Devin, at times, has been his own worst enemies with some of the things he said, you know, over the years, and a couple of loafs and things like that. But so I mean, if there's any play that epitomizes sort of where he's at in terms of his injury and how he's able to play, or in this case, not play. Um, it was Gardner Minshew's two-yard touchdown run. It, it just, Devin White is an elite athlete, and Gardner Minshew ran a 5-0-40, okay? Devin ran a four four one. This should be a no contest, one-on-one with a quarterback who's running towards you, and he can't stop. Like, Devin overruns it breaks an arm tackle, and he's in the end zone. That should have never happened. And so that tells me, and he talked about it again at length after the game, and the good thing about him is he's matured to the point where he's like, look, I'm I'm not trying to make this sound like an excuse. I'm out there. I own it. You know, like I got I got, I, I got to be more athletic than that, right, because I'm on the field. But by the same token, just by watching him, you can tell the foot injury, is. you know, his whole game is explosive movement, right, whether it's, change of direction, mm-hmm. um, forwards, backwards, you know, shooting the hole, all that stuff. It's speed. It's speed to power. Okay? Well, when you don't have, when, you know, when, when you don't have that explosive movement and the ability to stop, it's kind of like a receiver. You know, receivers get open not just from their speed. They get open from their ability to stop. Like if you can run a guy full speed and stop and cut, it, it's that movement, the cutting, and the stopping that creates the separation. It's not just, well, he's fast, so that's why he goes by everybody. No. It's about the ability to plant, change direction, and create separation. Sometimes you create it, you know, by by stopping faster than the other guy. You know, if you're if you're someone who can run full speed, chop your legs, stop, and go a different direction, that's how you get open. Same thing with a linebacker. So he's out there and and but that touchdown should never happen. I mean, it's third and goal with the two. And Garner Minshew has a one-on-one with Devin White, and he loses. 
those plays, those individual plays, a few a few a game is what's keeping this team from winning. And they're out of chances. I mean, I you know, we, we look at down the road and you say, okay, well, Jacksonville is the one team you would say they probably are, you know, not going to win or can't win or aren't as talented as the other ones from a talent standpoint, you match up okay. And you beat New Orleans and, you know, you kind of gave one away to Atlanta. You haven't seen Carolina yet, but they have only won, what, one game this year. Um, and Green Bay is going to be tough in, in Green Bay at Lambeau, and I think, you know, they're playing better. So that that's no longer like a like maybe a game that you would say we match up. But you know what? They don't match up with anybody. You know, you lose six out of seven games, you know what you are in this league? You're a bad football team. Period. I'm tired of, of you know, like there's there's this sort of belief, if you will, that because there's guys that have rings and guys that have went to the Pro Bowl um, and maybe a, a future Hall of Famer or two, that this team is good enough. Well, you know what? It's not. And, and how do we know? Because they can't beat the teams that they should beat or that they should be competitive in, you know, and, and the common denominator, and there's there's been a lot of breakdowns, right, on defense, um, but it's been the failure to score points. And now they're injured, right? Like this is what happens in an NFL season. Um, I don't have to tell you, you know, ask, ask Cincinnati and Joe Burrow, ask, you know, all the quarterbacks that have, you know, Aaron Rodgers and the Jets, like, your season can be torpedoed at any minute. But the longer it goes, the more injured you become. And then you're playing, on this team at least, the structure is you're playing rookies. You're coming off the bench with Servatier Dennis. You know, uh, They had a coverage bust on a fourth and one that sustained a drive that was like a 30-yard gain. Dennis made the tackle, and he knocked the wind out of himself. Wasn't his guy. No, it wasn't. Wasn't his guy. And, and so – you know, those sort of breakdowns and you go, we got coach better and play it better. Well, you're not coaching it very well. And the damn sure not playing it very well. If I'm Todd Bowles and I'm his staff, I'm very worried right now. You know, because for whatever reason, you can still stand up there. And Todd said tonight, I think for the first time on Sunday night, he said, look, we can talk about we're still in it. He goes, and we're only one game back. But the way we're playing, it feels like we're 10 games back. Mm-hmm. And in any other division, you'd be at least five or six, maybe eight, right? So, like, even he has a recognition that they just, they're not playing the game very well. And, and so I don't know why you'd have any expectation other than the opponent on Sunday is Carolina at home. And, and, and if I'm in Las Vegas, I'm probably putting more money on Tampa than, than Carolina, depending on what the spread is. But I'm not a gambling guy. And right now – the Bucks just need a win. They're searching for any win. And I don't, you know, I, I don't know it's going to come. I mean, it, it, it probably will eventually. The law of, law of averages say, you, you know, it's hard to, just like it's hard to win six out of seven, it's hard to lose six out of seven in this league. Somebody's going to screw up. Somebody's going to give you one along the way if you hang in there long enough. Um, but there's nothing to like about the direction of this season anymore, you know. And we could, you know, week after week, you could say, well, you know, San Francisco's better. Or, well, the Detroit Lions are better. Oh, well, they were so close to Atlanta if that ball, you know. No, 
it's over. At that point, the talking, the talking, all that stuff, it's done. You know, and and Devin White is right. It doesn't matter who's hurt. If you're on the field, you're expected to make plays. Um, this is this is turned into a an ugly season, right? It's on the verge of becoming a really ugly season. From what was an unbelievable start, three and one. I don't think anybody saw that, and it turned out to be fool's gold, right? But for a month, and that's why the NFL is a liar in September. But for a month, they were relevant. And then they had an early bye week, and then they weren't, and haven't been since. And it, it just, you know, if you're a Bucks fan, it's really hard. I, I know a lot of people are on Twitter have been saying fireballs for weeks. Look, you don't have to say it. It'll happen if this continues. Um, I don't. If I'm the Glazers, I don't know that there's a a good argument, right, to continue this. It, it, what's is it? Dave Canales? Is it Baker Mayfield and the continuity of Dave Canales? And, and Todd Bowles? Is it Bowles' defense? Like, where are you hanging your hat on if you say Todd Bowles at this point? You know, if he makes the playoffs two years in a row, now I can say, well, he won eight games, or well, he won nine games. But no, no, you're hanging banners. That's different, right? That That's a, that's a big line of demarcation. But if you're not getting into the postseason and you barely made it with the greatest quarterback of all time, in a weak division a year ago. This division's weaker this year than it was a year ago, and they won it with eight wins. Um, I think it's going to take at least eight or maybe nine or maybe maybe more, uh, but everybody plays everybody, so it's like a round robin. They still have games at hand with, uh, with all the NFC South teams and two with Carolina starting Sunday. Maybe a week from now we're talking about something different. There. Well, they all lost and they're back in it. I don't know, but um, it sure doesn't feel like that they're headed the right direction. And while there is improvement in some areas, like the offense, like the run game, it's not enough. And, you know, the common denominator is what? 20 points. Like, it, you almost like are kind of like, wow, they scored 20, you know, because they've been right around that 18, 17, 18 mark, except for one game that they blew on defense and scored 37 and they lost. So I'd be concerned if I was on this coaching staff, I'd be concerned if I'm Baker Mayfield. You know, Baker Mayfield hasn't played badly, I would say. You know, he's he's in, you know, some of the upper echelons of some numbers. But he hasn't won games, you know. And the quarterback gets too much blame, too much credit. You know what? You can't have a sack fumble in that situation. You're at the, you're at the 35 with three timeouts and just under two minutes to go. Even if the guy sacks you, you cannot lose the football. It was a great play, but you can't lose the football there, you know. And he overcame some stuff. He made it some fourth down. That was the other thing. The the uh, the Bucks played the crap out of third down. I think I think that Indianapolis was like two of eleven, two of twelve on third down. Something they like were that, three yeah. of they were three of four on fourth down. <laughs> and key fourth downs. I mean, key huge fourth downs. Yeah, you know. And the Bucks converted one themselves, which was huge. But yeah, you you that's the other part that's a constant with this defense is. They allow long drives. They don't get off the field. They don't get the ball back to their offense, right? Like, um, it's just, it's all bad right now. One development that I hinted at, wrote about on Sunday, thought it was coming, and it did happen, is that they started Yaya Diaby ahead of Joe Tryon Shawinka. And so uh, Yaya, according to Todd Bowles after the game, said he's earned that. And he played okay, 
But interestingly enough, Joe Tryon is the one that had the sack. Yeah, <laughs> early in the game too. Very early, yeah. It's like, oh, you're not going to start me? Watch this. Uh, so he got his fourth sack, so good for him. Um, sometimes competition within your own team, you know, accountability, losing your job, like that will mm-hmm. wake you up. Um, but, yeah, you got a guy, got a quarterback on the ground, which is rare these days. So, look, they, I don't know there's any universe that anyone would say that this is a good football team. Do they have some good players? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And one of those guys is Mike Evans. You know, and you tell me, Steve, based on what you've seen, right, this is Evans' sixth, seventh quarterback of his career, right? But based on what you've seen at 30 years old, is Mike Evans worth re-signing? I know you're going to say for the right money, but well, let's, let's, uh, say, let's say it's a big contract. Let's so say it's 20, what's the money? What's the money and what's the length? Well, uh, three years and an average of about $23 million a year, $22, 23000000 million a year. So uh, there's a few more caveats. Guarantee you like 40. Right. So there's a few caveats. Uh, how am I finishing the season? Am I starting over with a new quarterback next year? Am I bringing Baker back? Am well, I, let's say you're, let's say you're I, starting over. Am I starting let's with a new coaching staff? Like, is this a full rebuild? Or is this trying to to, to make some changes on the fly and, and stay with Baker and, you know? Yeah, and, so, and I, don't so, know, I don't know the answers to that because I don't, I don't know how the season ends. Yeah. But it, it, you know that would actually the biggest the biggest thing that you would say is that well guess what it's not the Bucks decision anymore. What does Mike want? That's well, what this is going to come too, down to. That too. I yeah. mean, As, it, now it no longer has anything to do with the Bucks whether they offer him or they don't. If they finish Mike, with five wins, six wins, and they're yeah. drafting in the I mean right now there's only what four teams that have less wins than them. I, I don't know where they're picking, but it's got to be so, eight or less. I, I mean, they're in a they're in a they're in a bunch of teams with four wins, so I don't know. They're where a top the ten. They're a top but, ten draft pick yes, right now. Yes, you know, but if they're drafting fifth, sixth, yeah. fourth, and they're going to get a quarterback, or okay, could get it. You know, a chance. At they a really, would. Well, you know. they you would think they would because they because mm-hmm. Baker's not a young franchise guy anymore. So right, let's give them a quarterback if they're talk take talk if if they're drafting in the top ten for sure. Mm-hmm. One of those, one of those better quarterbacks should be there, right? So if the plan is you're going to change coaching staffs, you're going to go to a new quarterback. New quarterback. Mm-hmm. Now, if you got a quarterback and a rookie deal, mm-hmm. that gives you a lot more money to play with. Yeah, you uh, salary free cap agents. wise. Well, Absolutely. but I mean, or you know, or if you want to give him a, a second good receiver with Godwin, right. Mike Evans, to have a pair of great receivers for him. Yeah, you got some money for free agency yeah. next year. Yeah. They took a lot of that this year, including yeah. Brady's thirty-five million. Well, what I'm saying is, if your quarterback's on a rookie deal, they're making you know a couple million towards. They're the cap. making right instead of paying a veteran that's going right. to eat up a bunch of your cap. Yeah, so that might be better for Evans to have a younger I, guy. I, I think the answer on if you want to bring Mike back, particularly if the number's that big, mm. is that you know where's your team at? I think we know where they're at. Well, but but I mean, what I'm saying going into next year is it is it bringing Baker back? Is it a new quarterback? Is it new coaching staff? Is it yeah? You know, tell me, and you can't at this point. But you know, where do well, you I know want, where it's where, where do you it's trending? Spe- where do you but, want to spend your money? Yeah, you know, is Devin White coming back? No, I I, I did I say that fast enough? No. Yeah, I don't think he is either. My opinion is Devin White won't be back, and it's his and choice because, as well too. It is his choice, but in this instance, I don't think he'll get an offer. I don't see how a guy who thinks he's worth $100 million mm-hmm. gets anything close to what would, would – I don't even know that he gets an offer, quite frankly. I mean, uh, he makes eleven seven now. I I think in some respects he might be lucky to get that a year from now. 
I don't know because I don't know what other teams think of the guy. Nah, I think somebody team, pays him. The tape's not great. No, but the skill is. <sighs> yeah. I the suppose. potential is. I mean, he's done it. He just mm-hmm. hasn't done it since the Super Bowl year mm-hmm. or the year after, I should say. But, yeah, for the most part, uh, it's in there. But are you gonna are you gonna buy it for a hundred million or you know? But my but more to the point, and Devin will have a choice. I think the Bucks have seen enough to know that they're probably not gonna. Now Bowles loves him. If Bowles is back, maybe he bangs the drum for him. I don't know. Larry Foot loves him. So there's coaches mm-hmm. on this staff that can't imagine him not playing here. Right. But the but other part of this is buck, for Devin for Mike. If this team finishes with. You know, there are four wins now, but four or five or six wins. And, right. you know, next year, who knows what it's going to look like. They may just go, I don't want to come back here. Like, I want to go well, play I, for a winner. I want to go play for a team that's ready to compete this year, and I don't yeah. know if the Bucks would be next year. Don't know. Yeah, I think you'd have to sell Mike on that. I mean, listen, I think Mike wants to finish his career mm-hmm. in Tampa. I don't Agreed. think he wants to go anyplace else. But, and, and you know, back to your rookie uh, quarterback situation, okay, a year ago, the Texans could have said the same thing about C.J. Stroud. Mm-hmm. You know, well, we're rebuilding. We have a young quarterback. He's a rookie. We don't know how he's going to be. Well, guess what? You know, next year when Mike Evans is a free agent, maybe he wants to go home to Houston and help that guy get over the top because he's got a bunch of young receivers and they're doing okay because, you know, they're winning practically winning the division right behind Jacksonville. So – just the mere thought that you're getting a rookie doesn't necessarily eliminate your veteran no. receiver because mm-hmm. the Texans surely didn't didn't have to eliminate him and nope. and you know you got to hope that and I'm not saying there's guys that are going to have the kind of year that CJ Stroud is having necessarily but you didn't know that yeah. I mean Carolina knew that they might have chose the other guy well look at the job D'Amico Ryan's is doing there oh unbelievable right so that that's a head coach quarterback combination there you're talking about change coach change quarterback you want to marry him up. You know, I'll say this right now, and I, I don't mind going on record saying it. If they make a change, the guy they bring in is going to coach offense. No question. You know, because you always get what you don't have. Well, right? the Glazers typically, I mean, that's their MO too. Always. It's, I can go right through been. there. Every hire they have had has been, you know, something different, right? Um, well, the first coach was Tony Dungy, you know, very cerebral, very calm, uh, Team makes the playoffs four out of six years. Can't quite get over the hump, but he's a defensive coach. And what's the problem? They can't score points. And he has three coordinators, and none of them can score points. Right? He goes from Shula to uh, Les Steckel, um, and then finally Clyde Christensen. They can't score enough points. They lose every year in Philadelphia. The season's over. So what do they do? we got to go find an offensive coach. A guy that calls offense knows how to score. Not that not that John scored a ton of points because he didn't, but they bring in John Gruden, right? And so John Gruden wears you out after a couple of years. You win a Super Bowl, and they're nine and three, and they blow it, and they don't make the playoffs. And you kind of had him with you know the free agents every year, and you got three uncapped years, and so you go, hey, we need somebody that's not going to be crying about free agents every day, right? And we kind of liked Raheem Morris. He was going to make Raheem Morris his defensive coordinator. So we had the, you know, the guy wanted every free agent quarterback and receiver a while ago. Let's get Raheem, let's get, you know, Dominic, let's reel in this money. Let's cut all these veteran players who are trying to save money to get younger. And so they sell that to Raheem and he takes it. Not 
just the opposite of John Gruden, right? Black defensive coordinator, all that stuff, right? So then they go from Raheem, a guy who had not been a head coach, right? And you're like, well, what do we do now? And so now you get a guy from central casting, right? Because Raheem's teams were perceived to be out of control. The reality is is that they signed a bunch of guys that had character issues across the board. Aqib Tlaib, um, you know, LeGarrette Blunt at the time. Um, Kellen Winslow, Kellen Winslow Jr. Jr., for God's sakes. We know what he is now. So they had all these guys that were kind of rogue, and but they had to do it because they didn't have money for free agency, so they took chances in the draft and in, in the few free agents they got. And so now it was like, well, we're undisciplined. This team's out of control. We need someone to, you know, tighten up the ship. So what do you do? Raheem had never been a head coach before. And you you went for Chip Kelly, and he left you at the altar like many coaches do. Uh, and so you wound up with a guy that's not Raheem. He's a former head coach. He's a disciplinarian. He's Greg Schiano, toes on the line, blowing the whistle, you know. And he's a college guy, though. College guy, head coach, but a college guy. Things don't work out. Now he's, it's like, you know, the building's on fire. He's going crazy. Players hate him, whatever. And he's a disciplinarian, right? So now you need stability, right? Need some stability. Need the the old days. We long for the old days of Tony Dungy and some calmness to the organization. So you go and you hire Lovey Smith. An experienced, right? Listen to me now experienced head coach who's been to a Super Bowl and averaged nine and a half wins a year as a head coach in Chicago. Okay, so he's your Gerald Ford, right? Things are burning down, and he's the guy that's going to bring calm and order. Well, that doesn't work. But you've drafted a quarterback, number one overall, and he's Jameis Winston. And in two years, he's just not getting it done, or his first year he's not getting it done. So now you want somebody to help Jameis, but you like this coordinator that they have, right, that Lovey has. And you want some continuity for the quarterback, so you hire Dirk Cutter, play caller, not a defensive guy, the opposite of what you had, not a head coach, except a a couple places like Boise and Arizona State, not been an NFL head coach, but a play caller, continuity. You hire him. That doesn't work out. Okay, what do we do after Dirk Cutter? Can't remember. Are we down to uh, Bruce Arians, right? So now mm-hmm. you go from Dirk Cutter, who was a failed head coach but never a head coach in college, but you like the quarterback still. You want one more chance to save him. Give me what? Who's the one guy I know, and he had retired, the one guy Bruce could get, or that uh, not Bruce, but Jason Light could get, and it's Bruce Arians, and only Jason could get him. And Bruce Arians comes in here, and he can't save the quarterback. But they bring you Tom Brady and you win a Super Bowl. You know, it just so whatever they do next, I promise you it won't be a defensive coordinator unless it's Bill Belichick, which is also a discussion we'll have to have at another time. Somebody asked me today, who do you think they bring in if it was like, and I said, and they were like, oh, Bel-, they would never go after Belichick. And I went, well, they'd go after him. I don't know if he'd come here because he'd be following Brady, but there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that they wouldn't go big game hunting with Bill Belichick. I, they'd yeah, make that. They'd they make would. that phone call, right? Yes, they would. I mean, you can have that press conference. It won't be, you know, oh, Cincinnati. Oh, we're just trying to win the division. Like it'll be bad, but it's Bill freaking Belichick. And he's chasing down Don Shula for God's sakes. So, you know, 
Um, maybe it's Jim Harbaugh. I don't think so. But like, there'll be somebody. I promise you, there'll be somebody who's a proven head coach, not a Todd Bowles who lost four out of five or three out of four years in New York. Not a defensive coordinator. It'll be an offensive guy, unless it's a superstar like Belichick. But I think it'll be an offensive guy. And to your point, that's when you marry him with a quarterback. You draft a quarterback. You have to, right? Mm-hmm. Well, and, particularly if you're drafting in the top ten or you oh, know, top absolutely. five, six, seven. Yeah, I would. I'd say yeah, top ten, top fifteen, mm-hmm. whatever's left. I mean, the thing is, people always say draft a quarterback. There's like five of them go in the first round, but he's a your guy, right? Like mm-hmm. you don't just draft one because there's a guy there that everybody thinks is good. You have to like him. You has, he has to be the guy that can be the face of your franchise. You got to be convinced you can develop him into a Super Bowl champ. And if he's not that guy, if that guy is gone off the board before you pick, then you don't pass up good players to take a quarterback. You know, if Marvin Harrison Jr. is there and your quarterback is gone, take Marvin Harrison Absolutely. Jr. You'll be good. <laughs> You'll be fine, right? Like, and, and that gets back to the discussion with Mike. The amazing thing to me about Mike Evans is who he's played with, you know? Mm-hmm. Like the instability, like, okay, three years with Brady, okay, who else, right? And then you take a guy like Devontae Adams who had Aaron Rodgers and then Derek Carr for a year, you know, um, who, who was his Fresno quarterback. So it's um, it's interesting. They're definitely going to be in transition. They're going to lose some free agents. I don't think they make a bid for Devin White. I think they make an offer maybe for, for Mike Evans, but that will be up to Evans to decide whether it's enough money or – he even wants to take it. It's tough to part with a Mike Evans. I think the guy's amazing. I think he's, you know, like he's one of those guys you say he's so underrated that now he's rated. Um, but, you know, he only trails one player as, at least by Sunday at 4 o'clock. Now, it might be changed by now. But Tyreek Hill is the only guy who has more touchdowns this year than Mike Evans. you believe that? Tyreek has 10. He has 9. And Tyreek Hill has, like, almost 35 more receptions than Mike does. So to have one more touchdown and that many more catches, and he's on pace for a 1,300-yard season with about 15 touchdowns or 16 touchdowns. Like it's, I don't know what else you'd want in a contract year than that. And, and knock on wood, and I will, um, you know, for a guy that's 30 years old, he's keeping himself in good shape. He's not missing games. Mm-hmm. Um you know, so if he can get through a whole season, the numbers are there, and he just builds on to his, you know, 10 years of 1,000 yards a season, that's a pretty good resume. You could sell that somewhere for about 20, 22, 20, 23 million dollars, I think. You know, we'll have to see. So the Bucks now have to uh, go back home, regroup, see who's going to be available to them. Uh, saw De- I saw Levante after the game. He didn't look that gimpy to me, but I don't know with a groin injury whether he's ready to play or not. Well, the difference between um, walking through the locker room and then you know, yeah, running on the there were, field. Yeah, you think? There were some injuries, I think, in the game, but nobody that was knocked completely out of it. So I think they got through it okay. Uh, Baker is, is the one, right? Like Baker's ankle, it, when he wakes up today, is not like the adrenaline-fused ankle that he taped up and went back in the game and played. Um, and it affected him. I think he missed some throws right after that. Um, I think as he stayed out there and got a little more adrenaline, a little more, you know, pumped up a little bit, like moving it, um, I think he forgot about it for a while. Um, but it, it's going to be a story because here's the deal. At some point, I don't think we're there yet because we mentioned it mathematically and otherwise they're very much in this race. 
only one game back. But there will come a point where they'll say, hey, Baker, that ankle's bothering you, right? You need, you're need you a beat-up guy. You're a sore guy. Let's let, let's let Kyle take it one, one game and, and just you know, see if he can give us a spark, you know? That's where we're headed with this thing if they continue to lose, I think. Because then there'll be nothing to lose, right, than mm-hmm. to put Trask in there and see what he can do. But, right, way, but right now there is something to lose because they're a game out. And, that's it. And you have the tiebreaker against New Orleans, and mm-hmm. if you beat Atlanta, then you'll pull into a tie with them. That's right. And that's I, I don't know where that. the tiebreaker is because you're one and one. So, But, I mean, you still have everything to play for to get to the playoffs this year. Nothing has changed in that respect. It's amazing. It's absolutely, literally amazing that you lose this many games and still be in the same position you were weeks ago, which is one game out of first with with those teams to play. Mm-hmm. You know, it'd be different if you didn't play them, but you do. Um, so, yeah, from that standpoint, it's just remarkable. Absolutely stunning. But – this this loss this was like there was a lot of chaos in this game. There was a lot of you know kind of frenetic. It was just like the energy was all over the map, and they were you know both sides of the ball were you know you see a good play and you'd see a terrible play, and then you see a dropped interception and you know a huge sack, and you know it, it just there was nothing smooth about the operation in this game, you know and. I mean, from a defensive standpoint, and they haven't been good for a long time, right? Uh, I think the Bucks gave up close to 500 yards, or 400 yards, I should say, not, not 500. I think it was 398. So that's not good, right? Like you're you're supposed to be the defense. That's the other part that hurts Bulls. Like, wait a minute, our defense is a problem, and you're the guy that is the the architect of it. Like that's why you're here in the first place. If you can't fix that side of the ball, then we have no chance. And and that's what the narrative will be. But anyway, enough of the Bucks. Uh, we'll talk to uh, Todd Bowles today. See what he has to say. Update you on the injuries on TampaBay.com, Tampa Bay Times. All right, we'll talk a little college football and Andre Vasilevsky's return in just a minute. But first, uh, you know, for the past fourteen years, the school pros at May Electric Solar have been installing solar energy systems all over the state of Florida. They provide the most reliable solar equipment, the best installation methods, and service while helping homeowners cut energy costs with an environmentally friendly investment. Well, May Electric Solar uses their own skilled employees, never subcontractors. They have always offered the safest and most reliable equipment. Well, now May Electric Solar offers a 30-year no-cost equipment replacement and labor warranty. That means for 30 years, May Electric Solar, backed by Solar Insure, means that your roof, electrical equipment, and uh, equipment replacement is covered. Solar Insure even survives May Electric Solar and is owned by the homeowner with no deductibles or additional fees. Now, this policy will transfer to new homeowners with no fee. This is not a blanket insurance policy. In fact, only the best contractors are allowed to be part of this program. May Electric Solar's reputation and history of workmanship has earned them this membership. To learn more about May Electric Solar's installation and their 30-year warranty, call 727-819-2862 or visit mayelectricsolar.com. All right, uh, we can kind of wrap it up on this, but your thoughts about college football? Florida gave a good effort, uh, did not win. Florida State remains undefeated, but mm-hmm. it wasn't a convincing victory to say the least. I still think that if Alabama beats Georgia, others are convinced that it wouldn't matter that Florida State, if they win the ACC um, you know, final, that they will they will be one of the top four teams. I don't know that that's true, Steve. 
I don't, I, I don't know either. And and part of it being, if Washington wins, if Texas wins out, there'll be one yeah. loss in the Big Twelve. Texas would, yeah. If Alabama beats Georgia, right, and Florida State wins out, and say Michigan beats Iowa as well, so mm-hmm. Washington and Michigan undefeated go in. Agreed. Now you have two SEC's teams, Alabama and Georgia. Does Georgia go well, back in with one I loss? I think Alabama with the one loss goes over Georgia. But then Texas is beating Alabama but with Texas one loss. goes over Alabama. So if Florida, or do, or, do, or do they? Well, or they, do they? Because because Alabama's victories, even mm-hmm. though they've lost head head to head, but their victories now over Georgia at that point well, may I think, top what Texas has done in their body of work. I think the argument is: Will the committee omit the SEC? And I say it's impossible because and, the SEC runs college. And football. so it's either Texas or Florida State is out in that scenario, right? And it, I think it, it's Florida State. It, it, it very I'll tell you why. Because be. I, I think Texas should go in Al- over Alabama because they beat them at Bama too. It wasn't like it was a neutral site or at Texas. But let me Bama. ask you this. But let me ask you this: Was Alabama Alabama then? Are they the no. same team as they are today? No. But but if you're going to count, you know. You're going to count good wins, whether it's Ohio State over Notre Dame early in the year, or you know whatever the big wins. Florida State over LSU early well, in the I year. I think it matters when you played them. In my in my, it would to me if I was on the committee. I'd be it like, does. Eh. but 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 the whole resume. I mean, if, if Texas has one loss, Alabama's got one loss. Mm-hmm. Then you have to look at who the loss was and and where. And if they played each other, it's pretty simple. It seems simple. I don't think it's simple. You're probably. I know. Right. I know what you're saying. It would be simple because you say, well. If they're even, then you know Alabama's mm-hmm. leaving because Texas and, beat them. And, and let's not let's not kid ourselves. Even though they say that Jordan Travis injury won't affect them, it will. It, it absolutely will. And because they want to put a good television product. That's right. In their bylaws, they're allowed to consider that. Yes, yes, they are. Top players that have that have mm-hmm. left the program for whatever reasons, and it's not the same product. Mm-hmm. They're undefeated, but they're not the same team. I mean, they struggled their butts off to, to, to beat a team that isn't going to a bowl game that, lost, that well, won only five games all year. True, but in their defense, Georgia struggled with Georgia Tech. Washington struggled with Washington State this weekend. Alabama took a miracle catch to beat Auburn. I mean, no, that was, I mean, that was, that was shocking. <laughs> I mean, there's a lot of teams this weekend didn't. It's not yeah, like it was, it's not like yeah. those teams that Florida State, you know, Bama, Washington. Yeah, they all guys, had their it issues. wasn't like they dominated the the, no, they didn't. the lesser competition they were playing. But but they at least have a, their full complement of quarterbacks. Let's say that. Well, but but I'm saying Florida State struggled, but went one without their quarterback. While Alabama had theirs, Washington had theirs, Georgia had yeah, theirs. Yeah. Like, you know. But I just I've got a feeling that Florida State's going to get host. I just do. I don't know what it is. It's in my bones. Well, if you're Florida State, you've got to be rooting for Oklahoma State over Texas. Oh yeah, and uh, you got to be rooting. You got to be rooting for Georgia over Alabama. Yes, you not? yes, you're rooting for, and you're probably rooting for Washington over Oregon too, just to make Absolutely. sure they don't take both Oregon and Washington. There you go. Absolutely. And of course, yeah. Florida State's got to beat Louisville. I mean, you. Yeah, that that goes without saying, but yeah. Mm-hmm. There was a time when Louisville was in that picture, but they're not anymore. So, it's a it's going to be fun. Next year is going to be interesting when they when all these teams we're talking about are all part of the playoffs because it's an expanded field. But well, it's it's going to be interesting too because you look at say the SEC who adds Texas and Oklahoma now, and yeah. then you add, but, look at the Big Ten who's adding Washington and Oregon and UCLA and USC. But like, like what, the amount of losses teams may have next year. Granted, there's 12 teams, so you're going to get in with two or three losses, but. 
Right. But what it robs college football of is what we saw Saturday, which mm-hmm. is huge rivalry, winner take all. You just don't get that, right? Very often, mm-hmm. let alone in the game. Well, uh, yeah, the Ohio State Michigan game. They may play next year and they may be for a Big Ten title berth and it may but they'll be, know that they'll know that both of them are probably yeah. going to make it well, under this scenario and next year the they may record. play each other and then play each other the next week in the big 10 title game that's exactly right and it probably that's won't exactly be an elimination right. game for the playoff yeah you could be right because there's 12 teams i mean it they m- can play, they can play three th- times in one year you know now they could if you at the playoff yeah right but definitely uh, changes things there's definitely going to be things that you know people aren't going to like about it it sounds great and mm-hmm. there are elements that are but it's also not not a, a you know a, a save all for the whole college football situation. It's just it's just not. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. It. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for fifteen dollars a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile. slash switch. Upfront payment of forty five dollars, equivalent to fifteen dollars per month, unlimited over forty gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at four eighty p. Active Mint customers by five thirty one twenty four get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May thirty first, twenty twenty four. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply. If rated PG. Um. Okay. So what? So I'm watching the Tampa Bay Lightning. I was all geeked up because Vassie's in net, you know, and, mm-hmm. and um, that changes everything, right? And he and he played well. I mean, he played really well, I thought. But the first period, I'm telling you, Carolina looked really good. And, oh, by the way, they have a great record, so they are good. Mm, um, their record's average this year. They're not, they're not as good as average? they have Is it average? I thought yeah. it was like 13 wins or something like that. No, no, no. They're, that? They're, they're, they're doing okay. They're not, okay. They're not dominating this year. Okay, okay. Well, then I stand corrected with that. But they were structured like mm-hmm. they gave no time and yes. no space to the Lightning the entire first period. Like if the Lightning had the puck, it was on their stick for two seconds and they somehow mm-hmm. were getting it away and getting it up the ice. So the, the Lightning were thoroughly outplayed in the first period, but it's only one nothing because Bassey does a really good job, right, in his first by well, the apple. Well, uh, they, were, they were thoroughly outpossessed. They didn't control the puck. I mean – Carolina didn't have a ton of great scoring chances. They didn't have a great scoring chances, and that was the point I mean, that Cooper made after the game. Was Carolina like, had one 12, scoring chance. 12 even strength shots on net the whole night. Yeah. And there wasn't so, many power plays in that game. So, Yeah. Well, now you're throwing facts at me. Right. So you're not supposed to do that. Yeah, well. You know, I never, just know never let the I facts see. get in the way of a good argument. I just know what I saw, and I thought they got outplayed. So. I mean, yes, you would say that Carolina controlled the puck, controlled possession, were in control of that game. Absolutely. No question about and, it. And the Lightning had no shots. Like, they couldn't get a shot off. Yeah, period. they had one. Yeah, but it was, I mean, yeah. you know. They, were, they didn't have any opportunities, let alone scoring opportunities. So, they, in my mind, that's being outplayed. Mm-hmm. Even having said all that, how the hell did they score eight goals on 15 shots? 14 shots. 14 they shots. Corrected, Good yes. Lord. That is an NHL record for shooting oh percentage. Lord. 57%. No team... Since they started tracking the stat in 1959-60, no team had ever scored more goals than, shots. than shots on net that didn't go in the net. Unbelievable. 50% was the high watermark previously. Detroit and uh, the Minnesota North Stars did it each once. We had a hat trick, right, uh, in that game. Braden Point with his uh, third career hat trick, second of the season. Hard to believe he's only had one hat trick going into this year. I know, right? He's he scored 51 goals last year. Nikita Kucherov, six points. That ties a franchise record. Set by Doug Crossman in their first season. 
with six Good points. Lord, that's a name I don't remember, yeah. and I remember most of them. Kucherov just wow. the fourth player in the last 18 seasons to start with 35 points in his first 20 games played. The other players that have done it, Connor McDavid, Leon Dreisaitl, and Steven Stamkos. Wow. <laughs> that's good company. It's fantastic company. He, if they do anything, he's, he's smack dab in the MVP conversation, isn't he? Oh, he absolutely is right now. I mean, he's yeah. he's having an incredible season. There's not a better passer of the puck in hockey than this guy. He yeah. makes plays all the time. Well, and you for, saw the one game he missed. He was ill. Oh, yeah. They, they, they were lost. Camp. Yeah, they were, they were not good. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, uh, yeah. He, it, uh, I mean, it's hard to believe that Andre Vasilevsky returns for the first time, misses the first twenty games, and he's not even the third or fourth or fifth storyline of that game. I know, <laughs> I know. It they kind of let it up. Now, <laughs> psychologically, do you think there was a lift that got them to those eight goals, or do you just think it was a coincidence that they were that efficient? I, I, I maybe there was a little bit, but. Yeah, they still had to put it in the net. But I, like their I power said, play I, was just lethal. Well, I mean, it was just stupid yeah. lethal. But like I said, I, I thought, you know, Carolina had the puck a lot, but it wasn't. It wasn't like, okay, we got Vazzy back there now. We can just run and gun up the ice. They weren't. They were. They were no, playing they well were, defensively. They were they, playing around them. Yeah. 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 I mean, they they handled they handled Carolina's puck possession very well. Like, right. It wasn't right. like Carolina had a, a ton of scoring chances. No, they didn't. It was just frustrating that the Lightning had none. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, that that and then and then they had a bunch and yeah. they did not miss the rest of the night. Yeah. It was also a, a franchise record for goals in a game on the road or tied a franchise record. Yeah. At eight. Yeah. That's pretty cool. I'd like to see it at home, but it's cool to go into somebody else's building and yeah. They let the same goaltender in for all eight goals. Is that right? So, Rob Brindamore after the game was like, yeah, probably after the, the fifth one, I probably should have taken him up. But the game was out of hand and over at the time. And I know, but he's your guy. Yeah, he was. But but you were like, you know, what shots were you stopping of those? None. I, I mean, that's the whole point. It wasn't like it wasn't like you pulled him because he was having a bad night. Like those were great shots. Well, just that, I know, but just out of the yeah. goodness of your heart, so you don't destroy well, the guy's average. But that's also that's also goals. that's not your starting goalie that was in. Well, that's true. He was, so yeah, you know, you also do you want to put the other really, guy in in that? No, then, I don't. You know, I don't. So, yeah, I mean, he kind of talked about it after the game, and, and yeah, just, it makes sense if he's the backup. Then I maybe guess. I should have pulled him, but you know, at that point, well, what the hell? At that yeah. point, yeah, I didn't expect it to go from five to eight. But that, that'll that'll mm-hmm. ruin your uh, save percentage when you, oh, your saving man. percentage is forty three percent. That's brutal. <laughs> It's absolutely brutal. Like you can't come back from that. Oh, well, it was a crazy weekend, man, with all the college football. Yeah. Oh, we didn't even mention USF's going bowling. That's right, they are. Yeah, good I went them. to the game I... Saturday night, so it was uh, good to see. By the way, Charlotte's coach, you're up seven nothing in the first quarter. You have the ball on your own, like one or two yard line, whatever, and you you get yeah. to fourth and one at your own eleven. He did not go for it. Did he? he did. Now, I, I have to assume one of the USF players kind of jumped, but I, I apparently didn't go in the neutral zone, and then they snapped. I don't know if it was only if they maybe jumped, snap was, it. Yeah, maybe that was a play that they had on. But, yeah, so they were up seven. So they missed it. USF scores the next player or two, whatever it was. Yeah, that's dumb. And it was tie game, and then USF just took control from there. That's but, just dumb. But, now, you know, I, quite- I, I, you have nothing to lose if you're Charlotte. You know, you've got what three wins? No, I the get game, that. Whatever, I but get that. You got to give your team a chance to win. 
I mean, you don't want to end the game there. You know what I'm saying? There's no need to make it harder. Yeah. Um, my question is this: Does USF have the same quarterback next season, or is this guy played his way out of here? No, I think there's. I mean, you're starting to see all of a sudden today posts from players are going in the transfer portal. Mm-hmm. Uh, I see Florida's kicker is going in. Uh, you know, you're going to start seeing that now. I mean, there'll be thousands of players going the portal. Yeah. Um, you know, the question is, what does he want? Like, yeah, I don't know. Does he does he like Alex Golish and the staff here? Does he believe in what's being built here? Does you know? Yeah, he might be a different kid. I'll tell you what he, well, he should get want. offers. NIL, yes. What he should want is nil money. Yeah, of course. That's what he should. And, yeah. he, and he'll get it from other schools. Mm-hmm. So can USF come up with nil money for him? That's going to be key. Mm-hmm. So Byram is the first quarterback in USF history to pass for three thousand yards. I read that. Doesn't that seem – I mean, they play 10, 10 11 games, right? Mm-hmm. So, but that seemed like a small amount of yards to me for that to have happened for the first time. Well, you know, think back to the quarterbacks, okay. Um, a lot of runners. Go back most re- yeah, Quentin Flowers was, you know, more recently was more running. I mean, combined yeah. yards from scrimmage, I'm sure he had over 3,000. Oh, yeah. You know, Matt Grothy, you're talking almost, a, a, you know, two decades ago. 300-yard games weren't – common every they weren't the average yeah, yeah it wasn't right. you know the game was a little different back then so that's true if you're playing 10 games maybe off the off some 11 mm-hmm. um but you got average 300 a game or close to it so you're right yeah. that's a lot of yards now the kid's been good and, and that for that reason i would you know usf's boosters had to come up with some nil deals or they may lose them but uh goalish did a nice job this year it's undeniable oh. i mean to put them in a bowl game after you know winning what four games in three years or something yeah, like that one against FBS schools in the last three years yeah I mean what he's done is is restore belief and credibility and that goes a long way when you're trying to you know recruit players mm-hmm. um, now they just you know they got to keep it going and and you know I think they had a bunch of recruits at the game the problem is these guys you know they have they have now bottom line numbers right they have actual tangible offers from mm-hmm. other programs for so much money and um that's going to be always be a factor for 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 usf so um but yeah starting to, by keeping the quarterback would be a fantastic place to start so hopefully they're able to do that all right so uh todd bull is going to talk today um at 12 30 we'll hear from him get an update on baker mayfield some of the injuries like levante david's perhaps uh, I didn't see anybody really go out of the game and not come back other than uh, Baker, who did come back. So it'll be, you know, all hands on deck again. They play Carolina at home on Sunday. That game's been flexed to 4 o'clock. If you have tickets, don't go three hours early because there won't be anything to do. Trust me, I do it all the time. Um, but uh, this is a team, again, which on paper the Bucks should and at this point absolutely have to win. Like, We've talked about, well, it's not a must-win. They're all must-win, but no, this one is. You can't lose. You have to beat Carolina twice, you know, because this is a round-robin event, and at some point some team in the South is not only going to have more wins than you, but they're going to win over the right teams and have a better conference record or division record than you. Um, so they need, to beat, they need to beat Carolina since everybody else has. Um, if that is enough to jumpstart them and get them going again, I'm not really sure, but um, – I didn't like what I saw of a lot of the game against Indianapolis. It never felt comfortable. It, I was like just in that building, there was sort of this spastic energy, right? It was like 
they were like going too fast. Uh, everything was moving quick. It was like the game didn't really slow down at all. It was just this crazy pace, and I don't think the Bucks had adapted to it. I just think, you know, they struggle with that, and of course, they struggle with Jonathan Taylor as well. So, anyway, uh, I'm going to make my way back home uh, from Indianapolis, and uh, we'll be with you guys tomorrow. Of course, lots of college football talk this week as they get ready for the conference championships. We'll mm-hmm. have a lot to do with uh, what happens in in the uh, playoffs for sure. So we'll talk to Matt Baker. Uh, as well as your mailback questions. You can send those to us anytime. I got some during the game, not surprisingly. Um, but you can send this to us at SportsDayTB. You can reach me on Twitter at NFL Stroud or my email address is rstroud at tampabay.com. The Lightning, University- the Lightning oh, play sorry. tonight in Colorado. They have back-to-back tonight, Colorado and Arizona. So 9 p.m. puck drops Eastern. So Oh, I don't know if I can stay up for that one. I might have to call my son, who's in Denver. He wouldn't mind going to see that. That'd be fun. Yeah. And the Lightning, uh, and their, Lightning have the dads on this trip. And they went to the Broncos-Browns game today. What a great – you know, the dad's trip is like the best idea in sport, mm-hmm. right? And hockey's got it down. But uh, I like a dad trip right about now. <laughs> Send me someplace, not by myself, to a city where there's an NFL game. <laughs> uh, that said, I got to get up in about four hours. So um, hope you guys enjoy the podcast. We'll be back tomorrow. I'll give you the latest on all that lightning bucks Rays, if there's any news, whatever there is, college football. Uh, and we'll do that tomorrow on Sports Day Tampa Bay. Thanks for listening. Forest Day Burstick. I am Rick Stroud of the Tampa Bay Times. Have a great night, everybody.